Well, hello, everyone. It's Friday, March the 10th, and my name's JB with Not By Works Ministries, and it is time once again for our World Events Update with Randy. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's been a couple of weeks since our last update because of my travel schedule and just being literally on the go from sun up to sundown. So I'm, I'm sure many of you that look forward every week to the we uh, weekly World Events Update with Randy were wondering, has the world come to an end and you just didn't get the memo? Well, that's entirely possible based on everything we've been talking about. But rest assured, the world is still spinning and uh, we are still here, uh, though given uh, the kinds of things that we're going to talk about on today's program, we might wish we weren't. We say, come Lord Jesus, because uh, things are definitely unraveling. But uh, yeah, thanks for your patience. It's been a crazy week, a good week. Uh, but as I think most of our listeners know, uh, my family and I were down in Florida for a couple of conferences, and we had hoped this last week to be able to kind of steal away to the hotel room for an hour and, and do a quick update with Randy, but it just didn't work out that way. We were slammed from beginning to end uh, dealing with... Uh, folks there. It was a large conference. I spoke twice and then also attended several conferences because I wanted to kind of be edified myself and learn and grow from some of the things that these experts had to say. And then, of course, it's a 26-hour drive. So on the way back, there's really no way to to do the, uh, the, the recording. So uh, here we are, been back about three days digging out of my pile and uh, really looking forward to being in the pulpit Sunday at Plum Creek there in the Denver area. And um, we had a great prophecy night last Tuesday. If you have not yet watched that, let me strongly encourage you to go back and check that out. We uh, moved into, uh, in our study of the time is now, uh, why Bible prophecy matters now more than ever, we moved into setting the stage geologically and atmospherically, and really some uh, powerful uh, insights there as we looked at things happening both on the earth and in the air that clearly indicate uh, the the growing the grow the groanings of the earth the earth the birth pangs as I talked about Tuesday night. So you can check that out at notbyworks.org on the videos tab. Uh, it's also available as a podcast. Uh, we also dropped another podcast yesterday. My uh, semi monthly meeting. We meet once or twice a month with the Christian Underground News Network and Curtis Chamberlain, and that'd be a good place to go to. I'll catch up on the update from the conference this weekend. Uh, Curtis and I spent the entire hour just reflecting on uh, some of the things that we learned from the conference, and so that was a, a good podcast yesterday. But uh, today, before we get to Randy, I want to just share a word of uh, scripture here from the book of Daniel. You know, Daniel is uh, an absolutely fascinating uh, book, uh, and you know he has so much to say about a Bible prophecy. It's, uh, you know, one of these uh, books that, you know, is really the key. In fact, many Bible scholars, uh, you know, indicate that Daniel is the key to understanding all of Bible prophecy. And, uh, you know, he's deadly accurate. It's where we get the 70 weeks prophecy, the 490 year prophecy that was fulfilled the first 483 years exactly to the day. And we, of course, know that the final seven years of that prophecy will be fulfilled in the future tribulation period. But at the end of the book, Again, this was written, you know, 500 years or so before Christ. Uh, Daniel in chapter 12 talks about, uh, you know, the end times. The opening phrase of uh, verse 1 in chapter 12 is, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. Uh, in other words, you know, uh, this is going to be the greatest time of trouble for Israel uh, in the history of you know the world, uh, and in fact, the greatest time of trouble for the whole world. And that phrase, at that time, is talking about the, the same period of time that he talked about at the end of chapter 11, where we learn a lot about the Antichrist. Uh, he talks about the time of the end in chapter 11, verse 40. Um, but he's, he's talking about the tribulation period, and he, he goes on, uh, to say, you know, uh, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt, you know, talking there about the end of the millennium, the final end of time when time shall be no more. Uh, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And then here's the key verse that has uh, been talked about uh, you know, by prophecy scholars for, for centuries now, uh, 
he says in verse 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So what does he mean there? Well, he was he was told to preserve this revelation that God was giving him right then about the end of time, uh, because much of what God had revealed to him was going to not really be able to be understood until the far distant future. And Daniel goes on in verse 8 to, to admit that he didn't really understand much of what God was telling him. He says in verse 8, although I heard, I did not understand. And then my Lord said, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of the time. And so I, th I, I see this as you know, sort of referring to a time when the fog will lift. And so if I had to title this little devotional, I would say the fog is lifting. That the closer we get to the fulfillment of these prophecies, the more clear things will become. Um, you know, people uh, will, will always be trying to understand you know, the revelation, the prophet Amos uh, said the same thing, talking about the future end times when he said, they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Amos 8.12. In other words, for centuries, Bible students and prophecy experts have done their best to connect the dots and try to make sense of what's happening in this world as it relates to Bible prophecy. But Daniel tells us that the closer we get to the end, the more clear things will become. As time passed and knowledge increases, people would understand things better than Daniel ever could. Uh, let me give you one example of this that's a pretty obvious one, but I think it makes the point. If you remember, the nation of Israel really collapsed in 70 AD uh, when the Romans burned the city, and was the Jews were scattered abroad. And for roughly 1,800 years, 1,900 years or so, 18 to 1,900 years, there was no Israel on the map. Israel did not exist as a uh, geographic nation. Of course, God's people always existed. There was always a remnant, and they will be regathered into the land in the end times. But it wasn't until 1948, after World War II, that Israel was once again given a homeland over there in the Holy Land. So, But I want you to imagine what it must have been like for prophecy buffs uh, over the last 2,000 years during that time when there was no Israel around. So much of Bible prophecy refers to Israel in the future. The land, the temple, the, the reigning of Christ on the throne in the temple, uh, the sacrificial system, uh, the Antichrist, you know, setting up the abomination of desolation and desecrating the temple. You know, so much of Bible prophecy centers around Israel, of course, and the fulfillment of God's long-awaited kingdom program with Israel. But if you're studying the Bible and reading about Bible prophecy in the, you know, the 1400s, the 1500s, the 1600s, or even before that, it's it's tough to connect those dots because you're thinking, well, there really is no Israel. Israel's just some ancient land of the Bible. It didn't really exist in your day. And so ever since 1948, however, uh, you know, a big light bulb has gone off and people are beginning to connect the dots more clearly now that we get closer and closer to the end. And by the way, it's precisely because of that sort of veil that Daniel talks about that for so long, Bible teachers promoted what's called replacement theology, where the church, and in particular in the Dark Ages, the Roman Catholic Church, the false church, uh, were you know had replaced Israel because there was no Israel. Israel didn't exist. And so it was difficult for them to take the word of God at face value and believe that there is a future for national Israel. And so the predominant view for centuries was what's called supersessionism or replacement theology, the view that the church is the new people of God and the church will, will be the fulfillment of all of God's promises to national Israel. But after 1948, when the fog lifted and people could begin to see and understand things more clearly, uh, then, you know, there was a big resurgence of interest in literal, grammatical, historical Bible teaching, and people began to understand, indeed, God has a future for national Israel. And by the way, that's what dispensational theology is all about. It's a, it's a hermeneutic. It's a proper understanding of the Bible in its literal, grammatical, historical approach. And so a dispensation is just a Greek word, oikonomos. It's used in Ephesians 3 and elsewhere to refer to God's stewardship. And in the present age, you know, he's his focus is on the church, the bride of Christ. But someday, 
the spotlight will shift once again back to Israel when the church is raptured uh, and we be, begin the tribulation. So again, I just find it fascinating, uh, Randy, that as we get closer and closer to the end times, knowledge is increasing. People are scrambling to try to find out and understand more and more about Bible prophecy. And we are able to do so because we have more knowledge now and we can see and understand how the prophecies that are portrayed in Scripture might come about. Another one example would be Revelation 13 and the mark of the beast. I mean, people have speculated on what that might be forever, but nothing really until now quite fit the bill the way you know the digital ID cards and 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 the CBDCs and things like that do uh, a global full spectrum planetary control grid and and so you know a thousand years ago in the dark ages when people were reading about this uh, control mechanism this numbering system of some sort that the antichrist is going to roll out they really didn't have a context. They didn't really understand, could not have understood how it might come about. Today, as we get closer and the fog is lifting, we're able to understand these things more clearly. So uh, in the you know uh, coming uh, weeks, I'm going to be talking more about this. On Monday, I'll be on the David Fiorazzo show live, uh, Stand Up for the Truth Radio. Uh, and um, we're actually going to be talking about the urgency of the hour and how there are so many signs that are converging all at once that we can now see as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord. Uh, but uh, the purpose of our uh, updates with Randy each week is just to kind of uh, get from a, an expert source, someone who really has his finger on the pulse of things geopolitically and otherwise, uh, an overview of what's happening, and then to talk about how these world events might actually play a role in the end times prophecy. So Randy, we missed you. We're, we're glad that uh, you're still kicking. Of course, we wish we were holding this meeting in heaven, having been raptured, but uh, the Lord has not called us home yet, so we're going to continue to plug away. But uh, thanks for joining us for the program today, and uh, look forward to what you have to say to us. Well, I'm glad to be here, and i got to tell you what. I don't think people understand. <clears throat> you and I do not rehearse this stuff before we talk, but that was the perfect lead-in to what I'm going to start with. We're going to start in the Middle East because that is where – Many of these things are going to take place. Right now, we all know that the Israelis and the United States are concerned about Iran uh, basically having enough fissile nuclear material to have their own atomic bombs. Well, we are two days away from that, and then they're going to have it. The United States and Israel have said it is not going to happen. So if they are serious, they have two days to do something. Now, the Russians were requested from the Iranians to provide the ICBMs, but not to put the cone of the nuclear material on the top. They want to do that themselves. Now, that's a little unusual since they've never done one of these, but the ICBMs are being manufactured and taken to Iran as we speak. The Russians are also supplying the Iranians with the S-400 anti-aircraft system, which no uh, fighter, jet, bomber, anything in the United States or anywhere else in the world can penetrate. Those will be in within a month. So the United States and Israel, you have your task before you. If you want to act, act now, because if you wait, that window will be closed and you will no longer have access unless you want to go totally nuclear, which would be an extremely bad idea. Now, the fun part of this is, I was asked at our service two weeks ago about the red heifer. There's a lot of interest in the red heifers in Israel right now. These are the animals that are going to be sacrificed and the ashes used to purify the priests so that they can begin the temple uh, construction. So I got a hold of the Temple Institute and I got the newest information from them. Very helpful, very nice people. They advise that they have purchased the land where the actual sacrifice will take place. And uh, it is on the Mount of Olives, and it's large enough to conduct the uh, sacrifice. And they said the animals will be old enough in September. They will be at their two years and two days. And at that time, they are going to see if they are pure heifers. They have three of them, and so far, so good. They meet all of the qualifications set up in Leviticus 22, and they're very hopeful that they're going to have something to work with. 
Now, let me interject on the red heifers there. So um, at the conference, the Orlando Prophecy Summit, which was just four days of power-packed, top-tier prophecy experts speaking on a variety of subjects, my friend Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers did an entire session on the red heifers, and I didn't get to sit in on it because I was preoccupied with other things out at our table. But uh, I highly recommend folks go to Prophecy Watchers com or you can click the link on our website and purchase the entire set of 38 videos 30 of them over 30 of them from the conference and then they threw in a couple of bonus um, messages as well uh, not by works doesn't get anything from this at all so this isn't a sales pitch it's just a plea that you need to to, to hear and be up to speed on all of these speakers and the many things that they had to talk about one of which was the red heifers now i want to you know also mentioned that I'm hearing mixed reports as to whether or not these will be actually, you know, pass the test, so to speak. In other words, it's not new for them to to talk about getting the red heifers and, you know, vetting them and seeing if they meet the qualifications. This happens all the time. Uh, this is about as, further, as far as they've gotten uh, to this stage before. But as Randy said, we won't really know till you get a little bit further down the road whether these are the ones. And boy, if they are, that's got to be a key signal that we are closer than ever before. Yes, and Mondo's very good. I don't know where he gets his sources, but I'm sure you can trust what he says because he's a good man. But the Temple Institute, I had a nice little chat with them. They said basically the three heifers are passing all of the tests so far. They're very hopeful that when they check them again in September, that they will be able to hold the sacrifice then in October. Mm that time they will have the ashes to purify the priests. Now, they point out that construction is not going to start the next day. These ashes will be kept until everything is proper, everything is set up, so that they can proceed with the purification. Um, then they can go ahead and get everything politically together, get something started, get the temple built. Now, the big problem with building the temple is there's a large structure there called the Dome of the Rock. That is a Muslim institution. Uh, it contains the rock inside of it where supposedly Allah ascended to heaven. It is quite a structure. It has a labyrinth of tunnels and different rooms beneath it go on for miles all the way through Jerusalem. Now, when I was looking at the Dome of the Rock and where it's placed, I just happened when I asked the people at the Temple Institute, I said, well, okay, now my big question is, you need the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you know, they're kind of coy and just a little sly, and they're not going to tell you where it's at, of course, but they said, that is not a problem. We have access. Hmm. I'm betting it's buried underneath the Dome of the Rock, if indeed what they tell me is factual. Now, I was asked at church, well, how do we get rid of the Dome of the Rock? Well, I've been looking at the earthquakes in Turkey. The earthquakes in Turkey are huge, and they are continuous. When the time is right, God will provide either an earthquake or, or whatever. But the earthquakes look like they're very possible because where they're taking place in Turkey is called the East Anatolian Fault. That goes all the way to the west, and then it goes on to what is called the South Dead Sea transform, which leads all the way down to Jerusalem. It basically parts a little bit for a little bit and then goes back together. But this fault is on the east side of Jerusalem within a quarter of a mile of the Dome of the Rock. If they would have a 7.0 and larger, uh, the Dome of the Rock and everything else would probably be destroyed. Yeah. So as you're looking to the future, you know, the earthquakes, the volcanoes are getting much more prevalent all the time. And when God wants that place to go, that may very well be the way he gets rid yeah. of the one thing standing in the way. 
Yeah, no question. I mean, the I talked about that Tuesday night at Prophecy Night. We actually surveyed the history of the prevalence of earthquakes 5.0, 6.0, and 7.0 or higher, three different charts since 1935 when the Richter scale was uh, was came out. And it's it's no question that things are getting more and more both severe and prevalent. So I encourage you to watch that uh, video from Tuesday night. It was uh, Prophecy Night Part Six. Uh, but you know, it's, it's funny when people uh, talk about the 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 issue of the Dome of the Rock being in the way i mean uh you know here here we have a god who can move mountains i think he can move the dome of the rock if he if he needs to and he, he flooded the earth once the entire globe with water it's fully within his range to take care of that so you know we should never worry about how bible prophecy will be fulfilled if god says it's going to happen trust me he can make it happen that's right this would be an easy way to do it who knows i mean it's conjecture what's going to happen but i found it extremely interesting that a fisher is that close to that mountain, that big, and so subject to earthquakes. I mean, you know, if I wake up some morning, it's gone. I'm not going to be surprised. Mm. The earthquakes continue all over the world. Um, it's not going to be that much longer, according to the USGS, before we start having big ones here. In Colorado, we have a dormant volcano down by, I believe, Valdez that um, had an earthquake the other day. So you never know what's going to happen. It's unknown at this time, but it's exciting. All right, on to some of the lighter news. Um, the Perth Mint in Australia is a very large mint, the biggest in Australia, and they sell a lot of gold and a lot of silver. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are well aware of how you purchase gold, sell it, whatever. But they were caught doping their gold that they sold to China. They sold China 100 tons of gold that had to be recalled because they weren't as pure as they advertised. <laughs> they forgot to take out a lot of the impurities, the silver. So the Chinese are not, not happy. But the Perth men said, hey, we're going to get right on that for you. We're going to get it back to you as soon as we can. And I will guarantee you that stuff will be assayed when it goes to China, if indeed they ever buy it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, anybody, anybody would pull stuff like this is way beyond me. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, all right, to the financial sector. The financial sector is going down the tubes. Um, we unfortunately have three banks right now this week that are being liquidated, selling off their stock. Basically, they're going to be gone. The first one is the Silvergate Bank. And it was big into crypto and a lot of questionable loans. Uh, it's ba basically being liquidated. Credit Suisse, which is a Swiss bank. Um, their shares, I forget how high they were, but yesterday they were $2.67 a piece. All of the employees, all of the CEOs are selling stock as fast as they can. And they don't believe that bank will probably last more than another month. Hmm. The biggest one that was a big shocker was Silicon Valley Bank, which is in Silicon Valley. And basically it was developed to provide venture capital to Sil Silicon Valley. Well, unfortunately they um, got into bad loans. They, their investments were terrible. Now they're trying to find a buyer. And if they don't find a buyer, uh, that bank will be no more shortly because the uh, feds will step in. Yeah. And, CNBC reported that was the biggest bank failure since the global financial crisis. Uh, so that was from CNBC. So yeah, that's a that's a big indicator of of some real trouble within the financial sector. Well, when you consider the people, sixty percent of the American population lives paycheck to paycheck. Forty percent of us are okay. The other ones are on the bubble. Now, credit unions are growing in strength not necessarily in the right kind of capacity because they're making a lot of these auto loans. Unfortunately, 39% of the auto loans are in default. People are not making the payments. So the credit unions are going to be affected just like the banks are. It may take a little bit longer because most of them are not as large as the big banks and they don't get as heavily into some of the funding, but there are some of them that are on the watch list. So. Just something to watch out. Um, they're still proceeding ahead with our um, currency, digital currency, and everything else. 
I read the report from the um, feds on the um, trial that they had. Basically, the trial went okay. They're, they have some areas they need to smooth out a little. What concerned me is that a bank to be involved in the CBDC has to also have a relationship with a central bank. Now, your little banks, your mom and pop banks in the small towns do not have that relationship. Um, they probably will not partake in the CBDC and may very well not be around that much longer from what that report looked like. Um, our government is trying to make it look like it's something we have to have. They said you're going to be able to have the CBDC. You're also going to be able to have cash and, you know, you can deposit, you can withdraw it. But the ultimate goal is to get away from cash, period. Now, there's also some rumblings that the um, feds are trying to get rid of private ownership of gold, silver, and other metals. So I would say that we all need to be very vigilant because um, I don't trust our government any further than I could kick them. You know that they're going to end up like China and everybody else, and it's just a matter of time. Now, the, concern, the biggest concerning point of this trial, it said this is predicated on the United States staying as the top currency in the world. As long as we're the reserve currency, they think they can make this work. Now, the BRICS nations by August are going to change that or try to. Uh, Russia is already getting into the yuan, which is basically the Chinese currency. Uh, Iraq no longer is accepting American dollars. Uh, we know that move is away from us. We have a $32 trillion deficit. Um, our money is worth nothing. China, Russia, the BRICS nations, and all of the other ones that can afford it continue to buy gold at a record pace. They're also buying silver at a record pace. They have uh, purchased 1 billion ounces of silver in the last year, and there are only 800 million ounces manufactured a year. Now, industry, if you have an iPhone, if you have an iPad, if you have a Tesla, if you have whatever, they all use silver. So the silver market is going to be going up a bunch because there is no capacity to increase production. So silver is going to become more rare. Gold will, of course, being the standard all the banks are going to, is going to become more rare. They are going to get rid of the regular fiat currency. Uh, not a question of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, and going back to the the uh, debt, I think you said deficit, but it's actually the debt. that We have a $32 trillion debt, yes. and and that does not count unfunded liabilities. And by some accounts, we're, when, we, when we throw that, when we factor those in, we're dealing with a debt in the quadrillions. In other words, it is something that we can never uh, climb out of, um, you know, $32 trillion debt officially, uh, the U.S. federal tax revenue is about $4 trillion. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's impossible to to keep taking one step forward and five steps backward. You're never going to get anywhere. Um, so I think this is what I've been saying for for years in, in what I've written about going all the way back to my Great Last Days Deception book, which was 2012, is the fact that we are on life support and the Luciferian elite that are actually pulling the strings are ready to push the button anytime they want when they're ready to bring down uh, America. Uh, it's not like this is something where it's organic and we're teetering and when that last straw breaks, then we're going to collapse. It's going to collapse when they want it to collapse. It's just being propped up right now on life support. And when they're ready to pull the plug, they'll pull the plug. Yes. Well, when you consider China said, Four months ago, in 18 months, that Taiwan would be part of China. We now know that the Russians want to be done with the Ukraine by August. The red heifer comes into play. I mean, what we're dealing with now is a lot of smoke and mirrors. A lot of things going on behind us, we don't know. But they're starting to come out, as you addressed in your um, prelude. Another thing that uh, people have probably seen on the Internet, the port of Gidnia in Poland there are 2,500 American tanks, um, heavy vehicles, artillery, etc., parked there. I mean, the United States says it's going to be used in Operation Atlantic Resolve. Well, 
this stuff was moved there in November, Atlantic Resolve is over and there's no attempt being made to move it. So the question is, where's it going to go? Now, Port of Gidnea is 122 miles away from the um, from Kaliningrad, which is the port of the North Sea Russian fleet. Now, if anybody thinks the Russians are going to let us build up that kind of equipment there and sneak around, that's not going to happen. So I don't know if these are the vehicles are going to be moved somewhere else. Uh, usually in the uh, European theater, they're given a camouflage color involving greens, browns, and grays. These are all sand-colored vehicles. My question is, are they going to the Middle East? Mm. Are we getting prepped for a war we don't even know about? I do know that 2,500 vehicles I've been watching on my flight radar, I see transports leaving there and going to different places. So I'm sure they're moving all of this stuff, but I don't know where, and they're not saying anything. White House, Pentagon, nobody's made up mention of it. But we know they're going somewhere. That's a lot of armament to be moving. Now, we all know that the tanks we promised Ukraine were actually ordered last November instead of in January when Biden said they would be. So we know there are things moving there that we don't know about. Everybody asks me, well, I thought the Russians were going to have this major offensive. All right. The Russian offensive is based on several things. First off, all the troops and equipment have to be in place. They are. The biggest reason a lot hasn't taken place is because it never got cold enough to freeze. We had a little bit of frost and freezing for about a week and a half that allowed the Russians to move forward, but not as much as they want. So, so it was global warming. It, it was global warming that prevented the. Uh, yeah, the I'm sure that's what the Russians are believing. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and I sure. I, and if it keeps warming, they may have to turn around and go home. Yeah, <laughs> if. It doesn't get any colder. Spring is here. Another month or two, it'll be dry. They can move then. But watch Bakhmut because that's a stronghold that the Russians have been fighting for a year. The Russians and the Ukrainians both want to hold that city in that area. The Russian and Ukrainian battle lines travel for 1,200 kilometers. If Bakhmut in that area is taken, it leaves a big bubble that the Ukrainians can no longer fill with soldiers. There's 250,000 to 300,000 Ukrainians dead, and there are also another 300, 400,000 that have been wounded. Most of their army is gone. So if that bubble develops, the Russians can move through straight west to Kiev, and they will probably do that. Um, Putin is of the uh, mindset now, he's not gonna probably be interested in any of the peace proposals, He's tried. The Chinese have tried. Um, Zelensky says he's interested. But then, strangely enough, the United States, Britain, and Germany move in and say, no, we're not going to go with that. Hmm. So I would say that Zelensky, at best, is a puppet government right now. And considering the way the war is going to be heading, and it's going to pick up steam, the Russians have all the missiles, drones, everything they need for 30 months. They will have this war over by August. If I was Zelensky, I would be setting up in a foreign country right now because either his own soldiers or the approaching Russian soldiers are going to take him out. He is not liked by his own people. Um, he is as corrupt as they get, and they're going to uh, make an example of it. Well, so if be the time to hit. I hope that doesn't happen, obviously, but uh, if it does happen, I hope he doesn't rise from the dead three days later. That could really cause quite a, a stir in the prophetic world. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Zelensky's the uh, the Antichrist. But he, as we've said all along, as I said from the opening days of this conflict when I spoke at uh, the Tulsa Mid America Conference uh, last year uh, on Ukraine, Russia, and the New World Order. You know, they're both uh, puppets, uh, or not puppets, but they're both trained under uh, the World Economic Forum. They're disciples of uh, Klaus Schwab. And it's never about what it's about. So uh, what intrigues me the most about 
your report on Russia anyway is you know these these um, this equipment and the tanks and all that are clearly not intended for a sea a, a battle at sea but more right. for something on dry land and you know th- what what we need to remember is that the luciferian elite that are really pulling the strings first of all it's not monolithic it's not something that they can just automatically say it and it happens there's some complexities there's some competing agendas there's accidents and mistakes but what they're like a good magician and they're getting us all focused over here on you know balloons or whatever it might be and then all of a sudden they're preparing something out of sight under cover of darkness and and that's why we really value uh, you know folks like you randy because you you do the research and talk to folks and you kind of at least make us aware of what's happening we may not always know why or what their end game is but there's a lot going on that does not get reported in the mainstream news that's exactly right and we know that the israelis in the united states have had three major war games in the last month and a half you know they're preparing to take out the nuclear facilities. I mean, it's so obvious you can just see it. The only thing is, will they get it together? Will they do it before that little window closes? I know they want to, but if they hit that Iranian underground nuclear area manufacturing the bombs, there are no bombs made that will penetrate as deep as it goes unless they use a nuke. Now, if they use a nuke, in Iran against an Iranian reactor, I don't want to be around for what happens after that. We know we have terrorists in the United States. I'm pretty sure there are terrorist cells that are taking down the communication towers that are taking out the power grid and maybe even messing with the trains. I mean, when you look at Norfolk Southern having three major accidents in a month, they either have the worst Um, repair facilities uh, or the worst people working for them that you can imagine that there were 1700 accidents last year okay so we shouldn't be too excited about that but worries what worries me these Norfolk Southern trains one was hit by a truck the driver died Uh, we had the one in East Palestine that just started on fire but the last one was hit by a um a rock slide now i'm sorry you get hit by a rock slide what is the chance of a train going through there being hit by a rock slide right unless somebody (laughs) helped it so they're checking the tracks they're checking everything don't be surprised what they find i think they're going to find that some of these cells and networks are working and uh, government just doesn't want to tell us because they know the people will go bananas so yeah i mean it's and don't be surprised what they tell us they find either that's the thing is we never get the straight story it's never about what it's about uh so it's really hard to to understand you know we're, we're trying to interpret the news through the lens of scripture but we're doing it based on the fact that we're getting good information most of the time we don't i mean they will lie with impunity and 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 we have to just sort of uh do our best to separate the wheat from the chaff That's exactly right. Now, as far as AI goes, we had some interesting comments the last service I um, was at at Plum Creek when they asked, is AI sentient and what is basically the status? All right. Elon Musk had a nice program uh, about four days ago. He went into all of that. He said, it is not sentient yet, but he said by the end of the year, it may very well be. He is pushing for regulation through the different governments to make sure somebody is watching this stuff. He says that AI could be the end of mankind because if it becomes sentient, there is no way to stop it. He was very, uh, very relaxed, uh, very coherent, coherent, and um, had some really good information. I mean, sometimes the guy comes off as somebody that's wearing a little suits and saucers, but it was a good program, and he says it's not there yet, but he said very soon. So yeah, I mean, know, know what's coming. 
Let's not forget, this has been their goal all along. If you listen to my presentation that I gave in Orlando called The Totalitarian Tiptoe, which is still available as a podcast, the video is only available through Prophecy Watchers, and I, I highly recommend you get the full set there of all the speakers. But if you just listen to the uh, podcast, you know, I quoted extensively from transhumanist Luciferian elites that they want to see the end of humanity. And, and one quote that I didn't quote, but that I found in research uh, that I'm working on for my next book was another Yuval Noah Harari quote when he said, quote, we don't have to wait until Christ's second coming in order to overcome death. A couple of geeks in a laboratory can do it if you give them enough time and money. You know, they really believe they can become gods and turn humans into gods and transcend humanity. That's why they call it transhumanism. So, uh, you know, Elon Musk is a transhumanist, uh, no question about it. Uh, he's the one who said, quote, soon we're going to be able to turn you into a expletive butterfly if we want to. Um, so don't be fooled into thinking that, you know, just because Elon Musk is sort of a darling of Fox News right now and 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 says some things that conservatives like, don't think that he's uh, on our side. He's he's by no means uh, with us on this thing. You know, and that's the bad thing. We don't we don't have any good guys anymore. We have Musk, we have Putin, we have Zelensky, we have Biden. I mean, it's like shake them up and whatever shakes out is as bad as the rest. Yeah. So you have to always maintain that kind of a mindset when you're reviewing this stuff. Um, the power grid, we just briefly touched on that, but a, a little bit more on that. The green energy that they are trying to institute to take over all the fossil energy and the nuclear is not able to keep up. Uh, we have a uh, entity called PJM Interconnection, which is a huge uh, power grid conglomerate that controls 65 million homes and basically um, to set the stage here one megawatt of power will power a thousand homes well pj or yeah pgm got into trouble the other day and they sent out an sos to the power grid they were unable to produce enough energy in the georgia alabama area PJM was requested to provide another 10 megawatts of power. Now, that's considerable because many times during the heavy usage in the winter or in the summer, they exchange electrical, transfer to each other, so they maintain the grid. But there was no major stress on the grid at this time. And PJM gave out a warning and said, we're going to be shutting down power plants this summer because we do not have the capacity to provide the energy that people need. When the green power takes over, it is not sufficient enough to replace these others being replaced, the nuclear and the uh, fossil fuels. And um, there are gonna be a lot of brownouts and a lot of blackouts this summer. And they said, get used to it. And it could be like that for a long time. So more good news, you know, as far as the power grid goes. Yeah, and I just saw, you know, going back to the the economy, uh, you know, David Knight doing a story on some sources that are saying that they may uh, to try to crash the economy in two weeks. I'm not saying David Knight's saying that. I haven't read the story, but uh, certainly there are people out there saying that. Uh, but that's the problem with things like the power grid and the economy. It's always on the cusp. It's always on the verge. And when, and, and this is why understanding the Luciferian conspiracy and their agenda of who really is controlling things is so critical because, you know, it's, it's not like this is teetering and, and going to boil over at some point, if I can mix metaphors there, what's going to happen is when they're ready, they're going to choose probably a multitude of weapons to coalesce in a cumulative effect all at once. And so when I hear things like that, you know, oh, the, the, the government, the federal government's going to crash the economy within the next two weeks, or the power grid's going to go down, you know, here. At some point, that's going to be true. Uh, and it's just, uh, once again, a reminder that they can do this whenever they want. The world is a much smaller place than people realize, and the Bible tells us the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and he's working hard with his human co-conspirators to try to take over the world. And, and you know, he's right on the cusp of it here in the 2020s uh, by their own accounts. And so, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you got to be ready 
uh, for anything. And and you and I, Randy, have talked at length before. I think we've even done uh, shows on it before about preparedness and things that people can do if the power grid uh, goes down. So I tell you, um, you're not going to get much warning. You know, it's like the quote that I give in my books, uh, uh, you know, how, how did you go bankrupt? Well, two ways, first gradually, then suddenly. Well, we're in the gradual phase now, but it, that suddenly is going to happen, you know, at any moment. Well, and then we have we have our government, which has got to be the most corrupt in the history of our nation. Jill Biden says the woman of the year is a transgender man. I'm going, excuse me? Anybody just listen to what I just yeah. heard? <laughs> in Colombia, they have bunches of young girls. And uh, evidently, there was a big supply of Ouija boards sent in, okay? They've been taking him to the ER in large groups because these groups of girls get together, set the Ouija board before them and play with them. They're finding these girls unconscious. They're finding them all suffering from anxiety afterwards, bad dreams. And my question is, keep your children away from this. Stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. There is no good use for a Ouija board or anything else. Yeah, and speaking of you know women that are you know satanically influenced and and presenting satanic manifestations like this transgender that Biden was touting, um, I don't know if anyone's seen the the montage of all the pictures of Elon Musk's mother, uh, but she is on magazine covers and she's out there doing photo shoots and every one of them she has these various satanic symbols where she's holding up her hands in different ways uh some more subtle than others but most of them pretty blatant now look i'm not judging elon musk based on his mother uh i don't mind if people judge me based on my mother i love my mother she's a godly woman and and i'd be honored to be judged in that light uh but this is just another prominent figure who happens to be related to elon musk who's out there you know promoting uh evil and uh so it's you know it's definitely heating up there's no question about that well elon musk is a very he's a very smart individual and he's done some good when the Ukrainian war started, he sent his satellites there so people could have internet. That's a great thing. But I, I, I don't think he knows who he is for sure. But I'm, I'm really concerned about what Elon Musk is that we don't know. Yeah, and doing... He's with the Americans, then the Chinese... Yeah, doing good things. Anybody can do good things. I mean, Obama gave away cell phones for heaven's sake. So, uh, you know, yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, I my take on Musk is I think he's a bit of a loose cannon. Um, he he's kind of like Trump was for the right. Uh, you know, Trump uh, was also you know his own man and and did you know his own things. He was controlled. I I make that case pretty plainly in Volume Two of Spirit of the Antichrist. But I think uh, Elon Musk is also kind of his own man he does you know he's got the power and the money to do things but at the same time he he has certain weak spots and and he's got his fbi file that that they could open up you know proverbially speaking to to control him whenever they want uh but you know the other part of it is you just don't know really ultimately why he's doing what he's doing and and that's the real concern as you when you deal with deception and and this is the great last days of deception we're more deceived now than ever before second timothy 3 13 uh you just it's hard to know who is who you've got layer upon layered lies about lies and lies upon lies you've got people dressed one way you take take off those clothes and underneath they're dressed another way but you take off those clothes and they're really playing for the other team and you just don't really know what to expect which is why as first john 4 1 says we've got to be discerning and test the spirits yes and you know we don't talk much about the chinese because we don't have the balloons or any of that going on People really need to be concerned more with China, I believe, than Russia. China has their One Belt, One Road initiative that basically they're starting the east edge of China. That road will go all the way into Western Europe. They're in Afghanistan now, and they really don't want the Ukraine to be devastated because the road goes right through there. So would you have to stop and think that Xi Jinping and well, the Iranians probably and Putin have already discussed this. They have plans because they don't want to have to ship around the sea anymore. They wanted to go over land with the railways, the trucks, etc. Also remember, there is a 200 million man or 
entity army that appears in Revelation, and that would be the perfect way to move whatever that entity is. So it's all coming together piece by piece, gets a little bit clearer. Um, all I can say is I expect a cyber attack. We've already had small ones. We're going to have bigger ones. Uh, the power grid concerns me a lot because that seems to be the most vulnerable as far as anything goes. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes a, down. It's a okay. sleeping giant, right? China is a sleeping giant. That's that's what yes. they've, they've said, uh, you know, going back to Pearl Harbor. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting uh, what's happening. Well, before we close out, what else? Any other uh, kind of urgent, uh, you know, news news items that you wanted to cover? Oh, we could probably discuss another hour's worth, but I think the rest <laughs> of it will wait till next week. Well, amen. Well, I tell you, our folks certainly wouldn't mind. Probably they feel cheated because we didn't get an hour last week of your time, but. Uh, I sure appreciate all you do, and we will definitely get back onto a regular routine here. Uh, my next trip is not till uh, the first Sunday in April. I'll be out of pocket just for a one one day uh, solo event up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but uh, but yeah, I want to remind folks kind of how we began that the fog is lifting, as Daniel twelve four uh, kind of intimates. There, the closer we get to the last days or the end times, rather, the more we're going to be able to understand. Uh, what's happening through the lens of biblical prophecy. So it's more important than ever that people stay in the Word of God. And it's more important than ever that if you don't know the Lord, uh, that you trust in Christ today. You know, God's offer of salvation is universal. It goes far and wide. Anyone uh, who can can be saved. Whosoever will, let him come drink of the water of life freely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the words of Jesus himself. And so if you've not trusted Christ, let me remind you that uh, the, the only hope uh, that you have, that anyone has to overcome the penalty of sin is through faith alone in Christ alone, who paid your personal penalty on Calvary when he died and rose again. For those of you that already know the Lord, you've already trusted in Christ and him alone for salvation. Let me encourage you to stay grounded in the word and, uh, you know, listen to, uh, you know, ministries like Not By Works Ministries that, that as we do our best to, to run everything through the grid of scripture and to look at the Bible as the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices. We covet your prayers as we continue to, uh, to try to make a difference out there as the Lord increases our stewardship. Uh, we seem to be getting more and more of the devil's attention. Uh, we have had, uh, you know, just an onslaught really in the last few weeks, especially of, of just uh, miscellaneous spiritual attacks, um, mysterious things happening, um, you know, hard to know why. And it, and, and it's, you know, I don't want to see a demon behind every rock. Some of it could just be ordinary everyday shenanigans. But, you know, on our last day home, as we had, you know, we spent two nights in the hotel on our 26 hour drive the last morning, Tuesday of this week, before we drove six hours to be at prophecy night that night uh, in, in uh, Denver. Um, we woke up in the hotel and both of the tires on my trailer were just about completely flat and they'd been fine for two weeks straight no issues no problems now was that just some punk coming along trying to pull a prank and let some air out of my tires or was that something a more uh you know nefarious and, and demonic in nature who knows but either way fortunately i've always been in the habit of checking Every time we stop for gas, I walk the trailer and make sure that everything is in order. And so I noticed it, and we were able to go straight to a, a gas station and, and fill it back up. It was supposed to have 45 pounds, 45 to 50 pounds. It had 15 pounds. And so especially with all the weight we were carrying, it was pretty uh, uh, pretty low. So, uh, you know, just pray for us, uh, you know, as the, the attacks continue. Um, that uh, the Lord will give us strength. He'll protect my family uh, and protect me and protect our ministry and protect our message. You know, we we want to continue to proclaim the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message uh, and the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, much more to come. We've got several other interviews that we're going to be dropping, including one with Life Clips that we'll be dropping later uh, today. But stay in touch. Let us know if we can help with anything. If you're ever in the Denver area, come join us on Tuesday nights for Prophecy Night at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia. So thanks again, Randy. Appreciate you as always. You bet. Thank you, sir. God bless, and we'll talk to everyone uh, soon.